we welcome in Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst, ESPN. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. A little bit different time slot, but we're open to it. Tom Luganbill, good morning on an early Monday. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Well, I'm good. Uh, you know, I think of three things I want to hit with you, and that's okay. the national championship game, Quinshawn Judkins and Michael Van Buren. Um, we've got a little bit of a short segment here. Uh, it it became kind of the thing uh, here in the state of Mississippi late Thursday. Quinshawn Judkins entering his name into the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one heck of a talent. And uh, I thought what he could do in the second half for all, especially in the college level, what he could do in the second half for Ole Miss this past year, um, as far, you know, they played some pl- close games and he almost yeah. sealed the deal on the ground because of his physicality. But his yards after contact are impressive too. Um, how are you, pr- how impressed are you with him as far as a talented running back? Very impressed. Um, the, the first time I saw him was week two. It was Georgia Tech and Old Miss in Atlanta. And we were having our production call with Lane and the staff. And we, we were going to, you know, give us, give us the lowdown on this kid. Obviously, he looks like he's got the goods. And, and Lane said at that time, he goes, he reminds me of Josh Jacobs when he was at Alabama. And, and I said, in, in what way? And he said, he looks like he's a power back, moves like he's a scat back, and you can't bring him down upon first contact. And it's really true. Um, I, I think that as we've seen the young man's career develop and, and him, you know, he, he wasn't healthy the entire year this year. He was really banged up. I don't think he ever got into full stride the way he did his freshman year. And so it was a little bit of a disjointed year for him. But uh, uber explosive, super powerful, Maybe the best part of his game that nobody talks about are his ball skills and hands. Really, really good out of the backfield. And listen, and I had no internal knowledge of anything, but it, it sounds like this was a, a bit of a mutual parting of ways uh, between Ole Miss and, and Quinchon. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and Ole Miss has definitely sold that. Um, I mean, look, he's a, he's a phenomenal player. And you, you don't just... I know in the NFL, we've got all these guys. They can go by committee, but you don't just find a Quinshawn Judkins anywhere in college football, right? No, no. The, the, the days of the bell cow lead back probably started to come to an end with some of those um, Wisconsin running backs we saw as of late. Um, Melvin Gordon would have been a, a great example of, of that. Um you just don't see it. It's not like you saw with Bo Jackson or like you saw with um, with uh, Herschel Walker or even, you know, early 90s when guys like Marshall Falk and Garrison Hurst and some of those guys were still like the lead back. Now it's, it's situational. A bunch of guys are going to play. Some guys are better pass protectors. Some guys are better pass catchers. Some guys are short yardage guys. Some guys you're going to want to get in space on, on first down and it requires a, a big room of a, a wide variety of talent. Tom Luganbill on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. You, uh, let's switch gears to Michael Van Buren. You were at the Under Armour All-American game. We yeah. interviewed you on the day of the game. Mm-hmm. And so you talked to us about Van Buren and Cam Franklin and all the guys from Ole Miss and MSU and how they looked at practice and how y'all get after it down there, which I like. Um, yeah. and put them in some some stressful and competitive 
uh, situations. Yeah. But you made a good point. You've done that the last few years about the Under Armour All-American game, and that is how difficult it is at quarterback to put everybody together over a few days and run some semblance of a pretty good offense. What? Mm-hmm. How impressed were you with Michael Van Buren and the MVP and the way he played? I thought his ability to create second passing chances in the game was really, really strong. I thought it showed an innate ability to extend plays and not only do so as a runner, but there were two or three plays in there in that game. And he had done this throughout the week as well. But there were two or three plays in that game where he makes some throws on the dead run that he could have taken off and ran if his eyes were on the ground. And he's just had a really good sense of keeping his eyes up under duress and, and locating the open target and throwing off balance, off platform. I thought he was really decisive with his timing. I think I had told you on that day, as I described him as a, a stronger arm right-handed Dylan Gabriel. That's kind of who he reminds me of. Um, he might be a little more twitchy than Dylan is as a runner, but I think if you watched the game or you saw any of the practices during the week, you saw a guy that's kind of a gamer, right? He just He's not going to wow you with the 6'2", 220-pound frame. That's, but a lot of guys aren't like that. You know, he's built more like, like Russell Wilson is built, um, uh, more of a you know stocky, compact frame at about five eleven, six foot tops. Uh, is he? Should he be higher rated? More highly rated? Um, well, we actually have him rated higher than anybody else in the industry. So I don't know. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of people that have been down on him a little bit. He didn't have a great team year. He wasn't on a very good team. His sophomore and his junior year, he was on a really good team. He had a really really good year. So obviously. Uh, that has something to do with it, maybe from a ranking perspective. But, you know, we've kind of always just kind of dug our heels in on what we believe and what we think. And, you know, oftentimes a lot of people tell me, well, you have this guy ranked so so much lower um, and everybody else has him ranked higher. And, and my, my response to that, so does that mean that we're wrong? What if all of them are wrong? Right. So, I, you know, I, 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 I look at it through both lenses and I've always, I've always told our guys, if you believe in something, you want to stand on the table, that's fine. you got to accept the fact that you're going to be wrong in this. It's a subjective business. But if you believe in it, let's not cower to what everybody else thinks or what the, in- the Internet says. And sure. To our guns. Yeah. All right. Tom is kind enough to hang with us uh, one more part part of one more segment because we got to hit Michigan-Washington tonight. 6.30 kick our time, 7.30 Luke's time. And uh, we're looking forward to that. I am. Now, I don't know about the line. I like Michigan, but I don't know if I like them the way the line jumped up here as of late. Tom Luganville on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. We'll talk Michigan and Washington. Penix and McCarthy. But more importantly, Penix against what? The number one secondary in college football with the Michigan Wolverines? What gives tonight? The three receivers from Washington or the Michigan secondary? Luganville for about 15 coming up next. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show 
and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Uh, your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. Go local. Go with a home team. Uh, Tom Luganville with ESPN joining us on the Out of Bounds Show. National Championship Day as we get the uh, Michigan Wolverines, Washington Huskies, Houston, Texas tonight. And the game actually starts pretty early. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm down for a 630 kick. That's perfect for me. Uh, the SEC Insider Hit is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent in any of the 82 counties in Mississippi. Favorites.com to get a quote in four minutes or less. Um, all right, Tom Luganville, Michigan and uh, and Washington. Michael Penix against that Michigan defense, but especially that Michigan secondary. Who has the advantage and why? I think Michael Penix and, and his receiving core have the advantage if, and it's a big if, Michigan can't pressure Michael Penix because that's the game within the game. If you peel back the layers and you go back and you watch Washington, you watch them on offense, it's very difficult to find a team that's been able to get Michael Penix Jr. off schedule. Now, he may be the best deep, not well, not maybe. He is the best deep ball thrower in all of college football. I don't even think it's close. But where he might be at his best is he helps himself more than any other quarterback in college football because he gets the ball out of his hand so quickly. So I, I to me, I want to see that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for Washington and see how they handle Michigan. Because Michigan decided to come after Alabama up front. And I'm very curious to see if they'll do the same thing to Michael Penix Jr. Because if they just let him stand back there and just start throwing darts all over the field, Michigan will be in trouble. Nobody's had an answer for that passing game all year long. And I, I think that if we start to see Penix under duress, there are going to be problems for Washington. Hmm. Okay, so you, you give the advantage to Penix and those receivers over, over Michigan. What... Um... Are you are you expecting? Well, let me walk this back a second. Penix and Jaden Daniels. If you were a head football coach, college football coach, and you got to pick between the two to start for you, who would you pick? Uh, I'd probably have to go with Jaden Daniels just because of the running dynamic. I think that the danger that that creates and, and what defenses have to account for when the quarterback can just up and take off and run or can be a designated part of your run game. It just puts so much strain on you. That's a really good and difficult question to answer because I don't think you could go wrong with either. And like I said, I, well, I'm not, I've, I have never, I've, I've told a lot of people this, I've never seen a quarterback in college football throw the deep ball the way that Michael Penix does. It's flawless. I, that is, those are the most low percentage throws that you have in the game of football, and he makes them look routine. Uh, how does he project to you? How does Michael Penix Jr., Washington 
Huskies quarterback. How does he project in the NFL for you? Um, I think he has to go to a place that is going to really tailor things to his skill set. I, I don't know if he's a plug a guy into a, an NFL system and now just make him adapt to the system. I think you'll have to adapt to him a little bit. Now, the thing that I would be most concerned with is he has a very distinct history of injury and serious injuries, right? So you've got the two ACLs, you've got the reconstructive shoulder, and on top of that, he's older. So there are going to be teams that will be concerned about that. Should they be? I think it's probably fair to say, yeah, I think it's a legitimate concern. But then you also got to look at his productivity and the fact that he hasn't been injured in the last two years. And a lot of the reasons why he hasn't been is you can't get to him. And that, to me, is why he has stayed healthy. Would that translate to the next level? Because you're going to get hit. You're going to get beat up. Would you be susceptible to a season-ending injury? That would be the question you'd have to ask. Are you confident? So Michigan went after Alabama. There was a lot of talk that Bama's almost too big on the offensive line with their three dudes, 350-plus. Do you agree with that, Tom? Uh, Yeah, I think a little bit. I also think that they overwhelmed – they overwhelmed with simulated pressures and bringing plus one and put some confusion into the offensive front of of Alabama. And next thing you know, you've got a free rusher coming somewhere that should be accounted for, and he's not. Um, When Michigan decides to walk up, when I say simulated pressures, you walk up and you've got, you know, two guys in the A-gap, and then you've got, you know, two guys off the edge, and the next thing you know, they all scatter, and you're not sure who's coming and from and from where, that, I think, caused problems for Alabama. And Jalen Milrow, as great of an athlete as he is, he did not account for that well. I think Michigan banked on that. I think that Michigan came into that game saying, if we really come after this guy, could he get the ball in his hand and complete it accurately? The answer is probably no. Are we going to give up a couple of big plays on the ground if we do this and he sees an open lane and takes off and runs? Yes, we are. They were willing to run that risk, and it paid off for them. Um, it almost bit them in the second half, but for the most part, they gave up some plays, but they also put Alabama in a bind. I don't know if you'll see that level of confusion with this offensive line at Washington. Okay. Uh, who do you like to win the game? I think Michigan should win the game. But my problem with that pick is that every single time any of us in the media and broadcasters, other teams, other coaches, pick against Washington – they always come up and win. I mean, look at the first Oregon game. Look at the second Oregon game. Then they goof around with Arizona and Stanford and come up with a way to win. Um, they go and they take on Texas in, in the, the Sugar Bowl. And I know that score was a little closer than the game was, but, you know, everybody had Texas. Texas was favored. Washington comes up and wins. They might be having one of those magical seasons, though, where it's just meant to be. And Michigan might be, too. And so I would say Michigan, and there's two reasons why. They are tied for the least amount of penalties in all of college football, top of the game, and they are plus 17 in turnover margin. You combine their talent, execution, and coaching with those two statistics, and it's hard to beat them. Hmm. Tom Luganbill with ESPN. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. You kind of hedged there. I'm okay with it. I imagine I'm, this is a game that I can't – I just – I want to sit there and say that Michigan's better and Michigan's going to beat them, but then every time you say that, Washington comes out of nowhere and just rises to the occasion. And 
And I don't think if Washington were able to put up some points early, okay, I don't think Michigan is built to get into a track meet. Hmm. That's not their game. That's not, that's not how they're built. That's not what their mode of operation is. And Washington wants to do that. Like Washington lives in that world. So it'll be, I think this thing is going to be it's filled with so much intrigue. And as we saw with both semifinal games, we saw two great football games with four great teams. And I think we're going to go down to the wire with this one tonight. Uh, what about McCarthy? And I think this is kind of an underrated element of his game. J.J. McCarthy, for our listeners, is the starting QB for Michigan. Um, I'm always wondering how much of our SEC fans watch outside of the <laughs> SEC footprint. Uh, how much, how important or how valuable could it be the fact that he can run it? He's more athletic and mobile than people give him credit for, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it, you're 100% correct. He's a really dynamic athlete. The offense just doesn't require that much of him when it comes to that type of thing. Um, but it is a danger you've got to account for. He really impressed me late in that game. Um, I thought he he kind of showed that not only were they winning with him, but they kind of won because of him last week. And I and I thought that was impressive. It was something that maybe he hadn't quite had on his resume against the top tier team. And to me, that's that that stood out. I'll tell you one thing to look out for uh, tonight. And it didn't. It could have bitten them, and it could have cost them the game. But Michigan better start cleaning up their special teams. Yeah. Because their kicking game was horrendous, and they were very fortunate to get away with it. And uh, I don't think you can have that happen two years in a row and find that type of luck, or two games in a row and find that type of luck. What are your expectations tonight? Like uh, 27-24 in that range or lower or higher? Where, where do you go? I think it's going to be higher. I think okay. it might be like the Texas-Washington game. Okay. Or maybe even higher than that, and I could be way off base. I know how good a team Michigan is on defense, but uh, quite honestly – you know, they haven't played a team like Washington on offense. And, and very few people have that, that can throw the ball deep and routinely compete, complete throws that flip field position in the, in the span of one play or result in points. And uh, that will be interesting to see how, how, how Michigan handles that. But you're, you're expecting, from asking you earlier, a, a close game, a lot of back and forth, and kind of who yeah. knows how it plays out the last – six or seven minutes of the fourth quarter. I really am. I really am. And to be honest with you, that's where I think Washington could potentially have an edge because when you played in the Pac-12 this year, you were almost in a one-possession game every single week because the quarterback play was so good, the scoring was so high, that you had to be relevant late in the fourth quarter. So that's not going to be foreign territory for Washington. That's why, you know, I'm, I pick Michigan, but there's a lot of things that just, I don't know, man, there's, Something about this Washington team. I don't know. There's just something, something that scares me about him. Dylan Johnson is there. He's had a good year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he got hurt a little bit, but they say he's okay um, going into this game. He's a physical dude, and Penix makes him better because of Penix, as you mentioned earlier, his threat and those three wide receivers on what they can do to you vertically. Yeah, you know, and Dylan Johnson, it was really from the USC game on that the run game started to emerge. And now all of a sudden, leading up to that SC game, folks didn't have to necessarily load up versus the box. You know, they weren't necessarily threatened by Washington running the ball, which made their offensive output even more impressive because you're seeing a lot of drop eight, drop seven, drop eight, and they're still picking people apart. Now I think with Dylan Johnson, 
if if they get a little bit ahead of the chain in the run game, and all of a sudden they're able to run it, which I don't know if they'll be able to run it against that Michigan front, but if they are able to run it, now all of a sudden Michigan has to make a uh, Michigan's got to make a choice. We either add another guy into the box to try to slow this thing down, but now we're vulnerable on the back end. So pick your poison. And um, I think that if you're Michigan on defense, you'd love for Washington to be one-dimensional and not put you in that position to make that choice. All right, last one. I know you got to go. Is this Jim Harbaugh's last game at Michigan? Yeah, I don't think he'll be the head coach there by Friday. Okay. Maybe by Wednesday. All right. God. And the reason why I say that too, Bo, is he has done nothing but stick his middle finger up to the NCAA at every level of authority, regardless of what he's been accused from. He has never backed down from it. He's basically just said, fine, come and get me. Well, why is that? Because he knows he ain't going to be there to have to deal with it. Yeah. I'd hire DeBoer, but I think they'll promote from within. I call that very collegiate in, in, on my show. <laughs> But And I know Sharon Moore did a good job, but if I had a chance to go get DeBoer, who's from the Midwest and would love to be the Michigan or Ohio State coach, Tom Luganville, I'd be on a jet before you could even turn around. No doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. That would be a big one. Be okay. a big hire. Hey, my, my question is, is it as good of a job or is it the same job? Oh, that's a great question. I, <laughs> think, I think it's slightly – it's not as good – all right. Um, it's a little bit better than Washington, but not as much as the national media portrays it at in, in Ann Arbor, Luke's. Yeah. That's that's my no, thought. I, I totally agree. Hey, thanks for working with us today. We'll talk soon, yeah. okay? All right, buddy. Be good. See you. Tom Luganbill on the farm, bureau, insurance, guest line.